When you get that, please open to two places. The first place is going to be the book of Thessalonians. You might be saying, where is Thessalonians? But it's after the epistles, God's everlasting power company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and then 1 Thessalonians is there. And then if you can also open up to the book of Acts, chapter 17. We will not start in Acts, but we will venture there shortly. <coughs> in advance, I ask for grace for maybe five minutes of extra time because of communion today. So Brett usually finishes early on worship. I don't know what he was doing this morning. Usually he's done like in 20 minutes, and he's like running all into my time this morning. But um, you, know, you kind of get ready for it. You're like, I got an extra 20 minutes. You know, it's not a big deal. And then Brett's like, hey. So, but good job this morning, Brett. So, hey, let's pray together, um, and then we'll start the Thessalonians. Father God, we thank you again, Lord, this morning as we come to you in prayer. And um, Lord, this time the prayer, prayer is honestly for me, Lord, that you would just be with my words and that you would be with my focus, Lord. Um, that God, that my words would not be mine, Lord, that, that they would truly be coming from you this morning as we as we break into this book, Lord, First Thessalonians. And, and Father, just of how Paul was so proud of this church, Lord. And how this church had just fallen so quickly in love with you and, and, and got it, Lord. They understood the calling that, that you had given them. And so, Father, I pray for us, Lord, that we would see the, some of the same aspects that we could be doing in our lives as well, Lord, this morning as we, as we do the intro to it, Lord. But, Father, I pray for, for us, Lord, at the same time, that any of the distractions that are going on, Lord, whether it be within the service, Lord, um, Father, whether it be things on the outside, Lord, whether it be our life just in general, that, God, that you could just help us to quiet those things, Lord, that we would be able to focus just truly on you this morning, God, and just crawl up in your lap and open up the Bible and just listen to you, Lord. And so, Father, we thank you again for this morning, Lord, and we ask this in your name. Amen. First Thessalonians, Paul, Silas, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for, your, for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and the patience of our hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God the Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and as much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who, who believe. For from you, from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and in Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. And so as we go into chapter 1, chapter 1 is only 10 verses, so it should be pretty easy to get through today. But as we go into chapter 1, we see Paul who's talking to this church, Thessalonians. And, and so as we, it's a big word. I had to look at it several times as I was typing on my notes because I'm like, I don't want to mess this up. And, and Apple doesn't like Thessalonians, so it really doesn't help you with that, you know. 
I don't know if it's anti-God or not, but anyway, so they, they had a hard time helping me with that. But as you can see, as, as Paul's coming into this, he says, To the church of the Thessalonians, and God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from our God, from our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you were wondering, well, where did this happen? And the neat thing that I love about the book of Acts is you can actually just shoot over to Acts 17, and you'll be able to see where he started this church. And Paul actually founded this church. He came into this city, and that's how it started. Uh, many, many years ago, I, I did the book of Philippians, and we did Acts chapter 16, uh, doing the intro, where Paul is at a, a point where he's trying to follow God. He's looking, he's like, Lord, you know what? I'm just going to go. And, and we've talked about Paul in the past, how he's a doer. He's just that kind of guy. He's not going to sit around and wait for somebody to tell him what to do. He's just going to go do it and ask for forgiveness later. I mean, that's just the kind of guy that he is. So Paul heads out, and he's like, Lord, you want me to go do something? I'm going to go tell somebody about Jesus, and i got to go. So he heads out. And so he, God stops him says, no, I don't want you to go here. No, I don't want you to go here. So finally, though, he gives him a dream. And he sees a little guy and says, hey, come over here. And so he heads over to Europe. And actually, that's when he goes to the church of Philippia, Philippi to start the book of Philippians. Sorry, And that's where it all starts. And he's actually the first one to bring the gospel to Europe, okay? And that was the first church that started there. So that's Acts chapter 16. So what happens is he he gets thrown in jail, as, as Paul typically does. He and Silas are sitting there. They're praying. They're singing hymns. There's an earthquake. You know, the jailer is like afraid that he's going to, that they're, that he's dead now because they escaped. They're like, hey, hey, dude, don't worry. We're, we're right here. And so then he brings them home. His whole family gets saved and baptized. And that's how that church starts, Okay. So then it gets hot there, as it always does with Paul, and Paul has to leave town. And as he leaves town, that's how we jump into chapter 17. And it says in chapter 17, it goes, Now, when they had passed through, and, and you're going to have to pardon me, I didn't have time to study the weird Greek names here, Amphibolus and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And how many Jewish men did need to be in a town to start a synagogue? Do you guys remember? How many? Ten. Ten. Thank you very much, Debbie. Then Paul, as was custom, went to them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And, came, and some came to be, some of them were persuaded and a great multitude of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews who were not persuaded became envious and took took some of the evil men from the from the market and gathering I gotta pick this up, I should have brought my glasses. And gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, Those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. And Jason had harbored them. And these were actually are all the acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard this, these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let him go. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. So what's happening here? As I butchered the scriptures there. What's happening here is they, they come into the town and Paul doing what Paul always did. We always talk about this. The first thing that Paul does, he comes in town, he looks, where's the synagogue at? Why? Because that's where he's going to head. He's going to head to the church of the area and he's going to confront the Jews and say, look, I was you. I get it. You, know, you guys have heard me say this before. I was a Jew of Jews. This is my heritage. He gives them his resume and he starts saying, hey, look, 
This is what really happened. That Christ that you're looking for, I found him. It's Jesus. And this is the, what you have to do. And so some people would then be converts and some people would rise up against him. And then that's when he would either get stoned, he'd get thrown out of the city, he'd get thrown in prison. But that was Paul's MO. And that's what he would do. But that's how he would go out and start and spread the gospel. So he would head into these cities and he would start them. And the beautiful thing to me is that some people, you know, like today, I'm, I'm not like a Paul type where I'm going to go out and just, you know, start yelling and screaming and doing all and confront people. That's just not my personality. However, Paul is, but I'm more of the like kind of laid back. I'm going to kind of develop a relationship with the person. You know, if the Lord prompts me, maybe I'll say something. But, you know, it's just I'm not a Paul kind of guy. So, but Paul is, is there. He's in their face. And they, they have to make a decision at that moment. Do you either believe this or not? These are the facts, and he presents it to them. And so he comes into the town and he starts it, and there you go. And then you see the fruit of what he did is because you have all these books later on of these churches that had been started. So his missionary trips were unbelievably successful. You know, if you looked at it, I mean, look at all the conversions that he had. Look at all the people that could save just by Paul being obedient to God and the gifts that he had been given. And he heads out and he starts this church. And so now as we go back to the book that we started in, we start off with this and, and we move on. And it says here, it says grace and peace. And I wanted to stop at grace and peace. I want to get going because I've got nine more verses to do. But grace and peace from God. You know, and a lot of times we see that when Paul starts off his books. But grace and peace are pretty important things, are they not? I mean, to have grace and peace, not just grace and peace in life, but grace and peace is, you know, Philippians 4, 7 says, it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. So when you're going through that time and you have peace and people are looking at you like, that's crazy that you have peace right now. Well, it's because it surpasses all understanding. You know, it comes from God. Well, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And I just felt like this morning there was somebody that just needed to hear that, that, that yes, we, we trust in grace and peace. But that peace that you have is not that you're ignorant or not that you're, some people will say, well, Christians are just people that can't handle life and they need to have a crutch to hold on to. No, it's not that at all. I can handle life, but when I do, I don't do it very well. But man, when I have that grace and that peace that comes from God, man, things are just so much better. My problems are so much littler. I can handle them and I can focus on them. And then God comes along and does amazing things in the midst of those trials that I've had. And so when Paul comes along to the, the church, I think that some of them people, that as they were reading this, were like, grace and peace. Yes, Paul, thank you so much for that word. Because we needed to hear that this morning from you. That grace and peace as we go through this life of the struggles, and, and this church went through struggles. You know, as we just read back in, in Acts, I mean, it was not a friendly area to Christians. I mean, there was, it was these men that have changed and, and are turning over the world. The world was turned upside down which is amazing that this news from Israel had gotten all the way to Europe, that this, this group of men, this is before internet and phone and TV and all that CNN and all that other stuff, that they knew about these men that were turning upside down the world. And that's how quickly that the gospel and the information of Christ had traveled. And so today as we go into our life and we say, oh man, I, I, I'm good, man. I've, I've got, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. I've got Jesus. I'm going to pray about it. Somebody looks at you kind of weird. Well, that's fine. Because I still worship the true God. I still worship God. And I still worship Jesus Christ. Because as we just did communion, I can't do it without his blood. I can't do this thing in life without him. And as Paul moves on in, in verse 2 through 4, he says, We give thanks to God always for you, all making mention of you in our prayers, 
remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, the patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. And so as we see here, there's, there's three characteristics that you see of this church that starts it right off with. You see, one is their work of faith. And the work of faith is important here because, you know, the, the Christian life is, is work. It, it just doesn't, you just don't become a Christian and just kind of lollygag around your house. And, you know, as you see some of the things on TV or whatever, yeah, Christians, all they do is just sit at home and, and read their Bible all the time. They don't do anything. I've, I've never been more busy in my life than since I became a Christian. You know, I mean, it's, I was never more poor. And I mean, I had money before I got saved. And then, you know, when I was single and then, got saved and it seemed like I never had any money anymore. I'm like, what happened? You know, I, I don't even do the things I used to do. How did I not have money anymore? But it's like, we're just always busy. I mean, there's stuff to be doing because you, you see that there's, there's work to be done. Now, again, works don't save you. Work, I mean, the Bible clearly says that. I'm not saying that works save you. But what I'm saying is that there's going to be a resume of your salvation by the works that you do. Like I can sit there, like Donna said and other people, you know, if, there, if, if Christianity becomes illegal, is there going to be enough information to, to convict you? You know, or somebody is going to say, that dude right there is a Christian. I saw him do this. I saw him. I mean, are you going to be the Daniel where they're going to say, hey, look, that guy is praying and he's not supposed to be praying. Is that going to be us? You know, it says over in John six twenty eight, it says, and Jesus, Jesus, then they said to him, what shall we do? What can we work? What, what can we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who sent. Okay, so the, the work is that part of the work that we do in life is just is believing in him. You know, believing in him is, isn't just that, oh, I have faith in God. There's a God out there somewhere. No, it's, it's believing in God. It's believing in the fact that when you have a hard time that you know God is going to come through. It, it, believing in God says that, you know, that no matter what happens, I'm going to believe in God because of this. I have this scripture to back me up. You know, am, am I supposed to be in this city or this job? Well, I do because I read this in the scripture and, and God spoke to my heart and told me that this is the space, place where I'm supposed to be at. Is there a belief in God? See, that, that's part of the work is not just actual doing work and, and helping Brad out or, or Gary or whatever. The actual work is probably, is, is mo- not probably, but is moving forward and having that relationship with God that you're going to trust in him at all times. That's part of the work. And as, as he looks at the, the Thessalonians, he says, look, you guys have got this work of faith. See, you're not saved by the works, like I said, but, but there has to be evidence of what the things that you're going through of your life. There has to be evidence to say that, look, as I look through this man's life, that there's always been a constant following of, of Christ and of God. Yes, I mean, we all go through ups and downs. I'm not saying that. But is there that constant fellowship with the Lord? Are you constantly working and moving towards God? Are you constantly looking forward, not resting in what I did yesterday, well, what is the freshness of what God wants to do in me today? What is the freshness that he wants to do in me this next day? I, and I promise tomorrow, so I want to live today for Christ. I want to live today and give him everything that I have. Let tomorrow worry about tomorrow. Today is the Lord's day. And then if God be willing, I have a tomorrow, then guess what? Tomorrow, I'm going to give him everything that I have is there as well. I'm working towards God. I'm working in, in his presence and moving towards him. The second thing that we see that, that of the characteristic of this church, he says, we see that there's a labor of love. And the labor here implies toil that is strenuous and sweat-producing. Right, Jonathan? Like mowing the yard is strenuous and sweat-producing. The labor to which love prompts 
in which voluntary assumes and endures trouble and pains for the salvation of others. Okay, so it's not just the fact that you're, you're laboring like in a physical thing. Okay, like I was joking with my son. It's, it's, it's the fa- point that, that you're laboring in love so much that you're, you're working so hard because you believe in salvation for people. That this church was sitting there saying, we've got to get our brothers and sisters in this area saved. I, I, I love this, this town so much that what do I have to do? I'm going to labor and I'm going to work and I'm going to persist in a, in a manner that I love them so much that it hurts if they're not saved. That's a big one because we live in Sarasota and there's a lot of people not saved in Sarasota. I mean, have you noticed that there's like a traffic report when you go to work Monday through Friday, but on Sundays there's no helicopter flying over to tell us the best route to get to church. There's no, you know, there's no police reports of, of accident. I mean, there's none of that stuff. I mean, there's, the roads are empty. I mean, you could, you know, go down the wrong way to church half the time and nobody would know. I mean, we laugh because it's kind of funny, but it's, it's sad too, isn't it? I mean, these are our brothers and sisters in this area. And are we reaching out to our neighbors? Are we reaching out to our coworkers, to our customers, whoever that we have? I mean, there's a labor of love that it just, it pained them for the salvation of others. Patience of hope is the third characteristic. And the patience of hope here is, it's not a quiet, a passive resignation, but an active constancy in the face of difficulties. One commentator said it is the spirit which can bear things, not simply with resignation, but with blazing hope. It is a solid certainty. It's a solid certainty. So they, they have a patience and hope, a patience saying that they know that the hope is in Christ. They have a patience in knowing that the hope is that Christ is going to come back. It, there's a, there's a, it's a solid certainty that there's no removing it. There's a rock within their life that they really believe that Jesus Christ is going to come back. And I, sometimes, and maybe it's just me, do you guys ever have that doubt in your mind? Like, is this, Lord, is this really real? I mean, is this, is this the whole thing really, is it real? I just want to know. You know Lord, are, are you really there? Right, Lord, are you really coming back? Is it just me? Anybody else? This is me? Just preaching myself. Scott and Brett and I. I, I don't think that that's wrong. I think that many people have had that. I think John the Baptist sent his disciples back and said, you know, can you go check with Jesus that, you know, I'm just expecting something else here. And I would like to say that it's in those moments that you're, that I'm really, there's lots of horrible things going on in my life. Usually it's not. I'll be honest, usually it's when everything is going fine, you know. And I'm like, because then you start getting into your own flesh and you're like, I got this thing under control, you know. I mean, bills are paid, you know, kids are happy and healthy, I mean. I'm good, you know, Lord, we're, I, I've got this, you know, go help somebody else out for a little while. And then my mind starts to drift, you know. My reliance on the Lord is, is starting to move away to where I'm not so focused on what I'm supposed to be focused on. And in those times there where you start getting off the track, you start getting off the track of life, and then you start getting over here, and you're like, Lord, where are you at, man? I'm, things are rough, you know, come help me. And he's like, where did you go over there for? I didn't direct you there. I wanted you back over here. You know, don't you remember you went your your point too was labor of love. You're not loving your neighbor. 
You're not having such a desire for that customer that comes in. There's an excitement in this church. And, and it comes from their faith that they have in the Lord. You know, there's an excitement that they have that you can see. And it's, and it's not because they live in an, an area that it's, it's very friendly to them. As we saw just before, I mean, Paul had got kicked out of town. It was so hard because the, they were so afraid. And, and, and so they were they're like, dude, you've got to leave because Jason's getting arrested here for nothing, for harboring. But they were willing to do that. Look, we're fine. Just get out of town and let us take the church over and, and move forward from here. So I say, Christian, I always go back to these three things for us. You know, where's our work of faith? Where is our labor of love and our patience of the hope? Verse 5 starts off. five. It says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us in the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything. And so how did the Thessalonians become Christians? Well, Paul breaks down kind of here of how he did things in, in presenting the gospel. First of all, he says it didn't go out just by word only. Okay, it wasn't just the fact that Paul showed up and said Jesus and then walked out and that was it that he had to say. No, it wasn't just by that. Because see, words are cheap. You know, words can get up I can get up here and I can say different things or you can say stuff to people, but then when you're not living a certain lifestyle, words don't really mean anything at all. You know, Rick can Rick I, I love Rick, okay? And so Rick and I have great conversation, great fellowship. Rick goes out there and backs into my car, you know, waves to me and then leaves, okay? You know, Rick's a jerk then. You know, I mean, I don't like Rick at that moment, okay? But, but words are cheap. I mean, I love him now, but Rick backs into my car. You know, Rick quickly becomes a jerk, you know, because he's not doing the things that he should be doing, you know? He should stop and, and pray over it or something, you know, or, or give me a big check or something. But, I mean, it's just, it's just wrong, you know? But some of us do this, and we, we tell others only by word of how we feel. But there's no real substance to the faith that we're displaying in our lives. Well, Paul said, look, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't the case when we came there. When we came to you, man, we, we, gave you the, we gave you everything that we had. And Paul says, you know, I didn't just preach the word, but, man, the gospel came in power. Okay? It came in power. What kind of power is that? It's, it's the word is dunamis. It's where they get dynamite from, you know, explosion, you know. The, the yesterday with all the fireworks and everything, it came in power. So as, he, as they brought the gospel to him, there was power there. It says Romans 1.16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe, to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. So when we go out and we, we proclaim the gospel to people, are you kind of hesitant in what you believe? Do you kind of backdoor it as far as when you approach it? Hey, yeah, well, you know, it's, you know I know it's Jesus. But, um, do, but you know, do you, or do you, you come in there and say, hey, look, it's Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus loves you. Jesus has a plan for your life. As I've told Brett, we talked about it several times a couple of years ago, was the thing that was approaching me is that why don't we just talk about a matter of fact of our life? You know, people are like, oh, I did this last night. I went to this party and I did that. Hey, what did you do? You know, we're kind of like, oh, we went, I went to church on Sunday and 
you know. And we were like so back. Man, I went to church on Sunday. It was great. Oh my goodness, it was it was wonderful. I got to see some people from Virginia, and, and it was just awesome just to you know talk to them and, and and go over different things that are going on up there. And and then reminded me of my vacation. It was just awesome. We had a great time, you know. And well, what did you do? You know, make put it on put the offensive on them. The fact that they're not walking in a godly way. You know, it's not us that we're not living by the world standards. Of course we're not. We're not supposed to be. We're called to live a different way. And so why are we not the light that God has called us to be? You know, I wasn't going to... I'm so tired of the rainbow and Confederate and the battle between the two of them on Facebook and, and all that stuff. I'm just so sick of it. And I wanted to talk about this weekend... Honestly, I was going to talk about the misquote of Scripture on Facebook. Okay, that was what I was going to talk about, but I was so frustrated with the whole thing, I didn't want to talk about it. Okay, on this one topic, however, okay, <laughs> but you guys are not going to like my topic. Okay, so I'm sorry. <laughs> my conviction isn't towards the world. What did you expect the world to do? I mean, honestly, what did you expect a worldly government to decide and bring across to us? I mean, what did you expect from them? Did you expect something different? You know, again, Jesus can't come back if everything is perfect. Okay, there's no reason for him to come back. Things are going, what is the Bible? Things are going to get harder. That's just the facts of life. That's the time that we live in. Now, do we accept that? Do we just move under a rock and not talk about it? Of course not. But Christian, I will say this. It's hard to shine a light when you're not shining a light. I mean, if our light is dim, if we don't have a light, then what does the world see? The world doesn't see anything at all. So as a Christian, if I come and I try to have dynamite power in Christ, well, they don't see that if I'm bringing a little popper on the ground. They don't see that at all. I mean, last night you never would have heard a popper on the ground with all the stuff that was going on in my neighborhood. Okay? But if we're living a life and we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is love, Everybody keeps turning it around to where we're angry at people, and some of us are angry at people for some reason I don't know. But we need to come across in love, not accept it. I'm not saying accept the sin. What I'm saying is use it as an opportunity to teach into the sin. Again, if, if, if we came across and we were so unhappy with um, fornication within the church, do you want me to have a raise of hands of how many people have the problem right now in the church? Nobody wants to do that right now. Okay, pornography in the church, alcoholism, divorce, adultery. I mean, do we want to go down the list of the of the things that is wrong within our own church? But yet we're going to get mad about one certain subject and and cast the blame on everything else. Well, I would submit Christian until we are not ashamed of the gospel and we are living in a right manner to where Jesus Christ would say, that is my church. Well, then what do we expect the world to do? They don't know who we are because we don't know who we are. We're not living the way we should be. So Christians, let's put forth who Christ wants us to be. Get in the word of God and live a right way so then the world can see truly what Christians are. Does that make sense? I mean, if, we're, if Jesus would, do where would Jesus be right now? Would Jesus be in the church this morning? He wouldn't be. He would be at the bar down here with the English people drinking at 12, okay? He wouldn't be drinking, but they would be. But that's where the ministry has to happen. He would be down on the streets talking to the people that are going into different bars. That's where Christ would be. He'd be out ministering to people, not to the church here. He'd be out, look, I've got to go save somebody. You people are supposed to be saved. I've got to go find somebody else and save them. That's where Jesus would be. But yet too many times we want to come into the confines of where we're at and 
preach to ourselves about how the world is not doing what they should be doing. They're the world. They're not supposed to be. But we need to be outside doing those things. Does that make sense? Amen? Sorry for preaching over here, but... <coughs> I have a whole lot more to say, but I won't. So. Um, Francis Chan's book, it's um, Forgotten God, talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, we did a men's study on the Holy Spirit, and that'll come up here in a second. But Francis Chan, in his book here, it says, As disciples of, Christ, of Jesus, being in a relationship with him must be our focus. When we allow others' perceptions of us, or even our own perceptions of their perceptions, to control how we live, we are enslaved. We become entrenched in the ways of this world and do not live as citizens of heaven, and another, which is another kind of kingdom altogether. So as we sit there and we don't live the way that we're supposed to be living, so now all of a sudden it's, it's, we're not of Christ anymore. We're outside of what Jesus has asked us to do. So instead of walking in the promise that it's power that we have within Jesus Christ, we should be just excited, we should just be filled with the Spirit, and we should be walking out and preaching Jesus Christ to those around us. The second one, the gospel came in spirit. So we have the first thing, the gospel came in power. The next one, the gospel came in spirit, and it is the Holy Spirit that does the work. So as much as we go out there, I can't save anybody. I can't go grab a person out there and drag them down and you're going to get saved right now. It's nothing that I do at all. Now, I might be the words that are used to come out. And obviously, I'm showing power as I'm grabbing the guy down and you know, yelling at him and stuff like that. I've got power. You know, you're dying in my power. But, but it has to be the, the spirit that goes before us and does it. And as we read in the book that we did, the men's group that we did last time, it was talking about the Holy Spirit of how it, it's the third person that nobody talks about. Everybody talks about God the Father, God the Son, and then we kind of like God's Spirit. You know, we're just like, who is the Spirit? You know, the Spirit's not really anybody. It's an it. A lot of times we refer to it as it. But it's not an it. It's an actual person. It's an actual part of the Trinity. So as we approach it as that, as it's, it's, Jesus says, look, it's better that I leave, because again, as the book said, if Jesus is here, we'd all get like a second with him. You know, I mean, that would be it. We've got, what, seven, eight, billion people in the world. I mean, how much time would Jesus have to spend with each person in his life? He just couldn't do it. You'd be like, hi, okay, next. Hi. I mean, I mean, that's all that you would get out. You would never even get anything, any kind of interaction with him. But he says, look, if I leave, it's better because I'm going to give you the spirit and the spirit is going to come inside of you. And he's going to do all these wonderful things that I can't do. So listen to me, as much as I love you, as much as I want to be with you, and as much as you want to be with me, I've got to go to heaven because I'm going to send you the Spirit instead. And the, and the disciples are like, what? You know, what, what is this thing? I don't understand. Well, let me tell you what the Spirit is. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit searches, the Holy Spirit selects, the Holy Spirit reveals, the Holy Spirit leads. It leads you to people. It also leads you to Him. The Holy Spirit, it teaches the Holy Spirit comforts. You ever been comforted by the Holy Spirit? God's oh, awesome. The Holy Spirit guides. The Holy Spirit inspires. He forbids. He convicts and he reproves. And the Holy Spirit also, he can be loved. You can o- he can be obeyed, grieved, quenched, resisted, blasphemed, and he can be sinned against. And he is also omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. That's a pretty awesome resume right there if you're talking about, you know, it kind of sounds like God, doesn't it? I mean, that's all the things that God does. So, I mean, it's the Holy Spirit that comes and goes out so that as you go talk to somebody, it's not I'm the one that's doing anything. The, the Holy Spirit is actually the one that's wooing them and bringing them and softening their heart. He's doing all the work behind the scenes that we can't even see, okay? Because it's not even like we're thinking like the physical heart right now. Or it's like it's not even the physical heart. It's I'm doing all the work spiritually so that when the words go out that you're being obedient, 
they're actually being received on fruit of ground. That is, they're being received that you can know that, man, it's the Lord that's the one that's doing the work here. All I'm doing is doing being the, the voice of what God's asked me to do. And so then he does all the work. So as he goes out, he says, look, the gospel came in power. The gospel came in the spirit. Okay, The spirit was working through us. And he said also, the gospel came with assurance. And well, what does assurance mean? Well, assurance, it's, it's most certain confidence. So Paul and, 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 and company here, they spoke with such confidence in what they, what they were talking about. Well, what does that mean still? Confidence. Confidence means that they actually believed what they were talking about. They actually believed it. So it'd be like me being up here this morning, and there are pastors who don't believe it that are just up here, but it's me believing what I'm teaching you. It's me believing in Jesus Christ. It's me believing that there's an actual God in heaven instead of me just coming up here because it gives me an opportunity to get in front of people and kind of have fun and laugh and joke and stuff like that. That has nothing to do with it. And hopefully you could see that those who don't have it, those who are you know, wolves in, in sheep clothing, and there are people that actually do and believe in Jesus Christ. I would rather listen to somebody that maybe is not that very dynamic but has a spot-on relationship with Jesus. Because I've, I've sat under some of those people before and have been phenomenal Bible studies. And I'm like, wow, dude, my hand hurts from writing so much stuff down. And then I've got in front of other people that I'm like, I didn't even open the Bible because they didn't. There was nothing that was happening there. You know, there was nothing, there was no spirit. There was no belief in what they had. All it was was just an hour to kill time. Well, I don't want that. I want to know what I know, and I want you guys to know what you know, so that as we all head out, as this church did, that we can proclaim Jesus Christ to people. But you've got to know what you know. And, and part of that comes from the responsibility of the leadership here, that as we get up here, we have to be presenting the gospel, we have to be presenting the Bible in a way that you guys understand it, and that you guys have an understanding, but at the same time, the responsibility then goes back on you, because I don't have your relationship with the God. I have my own relationship with God. And, and you don't know anything about the Bible if you don't read the Bible. I mean, if you read it, then you will understand it. If you pray to him, you will have a relationship with him. And he will have a conversation with you. And it may not be audible. You might not say, hey, God. He might go, hey, Kevin, how are you doing this morning? Lord, I'm all right this morning. I mean, he's not going to do that with us. But do you ever just talk to him and just have those conversations? I mean, do you ever just go on your back porch or your front porch or sit in your car and and just look at the sky and look at the birds and, and just see God in the things that he's created. I mean, it doesn't always have to be a list of, you know, things and prayers for other people. A lot of times it can just be sitting out there and just recognizing the wonderful creation that he has done, the beauty of who the Lord is. I mean, if you go out into the mountains up, up in Virginia and Tennessee and, and elsewhere, it's beautiful, the country, to see and the things that he has done. It's beautiful to walk on a beach here and be able to see shark teeth and find them in Venice, even though a million people have been there. I don't know how there's still shark teeth. I mean, you know, a lot of sharks died. But, but it's just amazing. Don't go on the beaches in North Carolina because you will see actual sharks and have teeth inside of you. Now, that'd be a different, that's a different finding of the shark teeth. You don't want that. There was a movie called Hitch, and, um, and it's with Will Smith and Kevin James, and both guys make me laugh, so that's why I watched it. But... Um, I think they could walk on stage, and Kevin James could just walk out here right now, and I just start laughing. He just the dude makes me laugh. Um, but in the movie, Will Smith is a guy that kind of gets guys that 
um, don't know how to talk to girls and do all that kind of stuff, and he kind of helps them in their re- get the relationship that they desire. Oh, I really like this girl, and she doesn't know I'm existing. So, so he kind of helps them, gives them the words and, and all that kind of stuff, and arranges a meeting, and then kind of directs them through the dating, and then, you know, love takes off, and then they get married and all that other stuff. So Will Smith and Kevin James. Kevin James is trying to meet this, you know, multimillionaire, you know, woman that there's no way in the world that he should ever meet her. He's a nobody, and she's, you know, a multimillionaire woman. And uh, she's an heiress or whatever. And um, so she's got lots of money and the paparazzi and all that kind of stuff. So Will Smith arranges a meeting for them to get together, and then he's teaching him as he goes through it. Will Smith, at the same time, doesn't have many good relationships, even though he should because he's teaching other people. So he starts having a relationship. So the whole movie, I'm trying not to do like a the movie, you know. So the whole movie comes together, and so they both lose their girlfriends. Events happen, whatever. And so Will Smith is moving, and then Kevin James shows up to his house, and, um, you know, he's, he's like, man, Kevin James is talking about, like, you know, I just, I just miss her so much, and, and if this is the only way that I can still be part of her is to feel this terrible, then I'll do it. I'll just feel terrible for the rest of my life knowing that that's the only way that I can be around her. And Will Smith is like, no, nah, don't worry about it. You'll get over it. There'll be another one. You'll move on. And he's like, what are you talking about? I don't want to move on. And so he, he, the point of it is that he gets back to Will Smith and he goes, so let me get this right. So you're just, you're just preaching it, but you don't actually believe it. You know, that there's this whole thing is you're helping other people, but there's no, you don't even believe in your own stuff that you're teaching. And I think so many times as Christians, we do the same thing where we get into it and we're like, oh, you just got to go to the Lord in prayer. Tori, man, I know things are rough right now for you, but just go to God in prayer and he will bless you and he'll come through for you. And then as soon as something goes wrong in my life, I'm like, ah, you know, I'm running, you know, hair's on fire going, well, it used to be hair on fire, you know, running through there. I'm like, oh my goodness, the world's coming to an end, you know, but that's us. You know, so many times we don't believe our own gospel that we're dishing out for other people. We see this and we're like, oh my goodness, you know. But, but there's those times where those happen where you've got to be able to then come to the Lord on your own and say, yes, I want to call pa- Pastor Don right now or yes, you know, Pastor Kevin or, you know, my friend Bert or whatever and, and, and just and talk to them. But guess what? You're going you're gonna to do the same thing that you're going to do that is if you talk to anybody else. It's going to be like, hey, man, let's, let's pray about this thing right now. Let's, let's, let's go before the Lord and let's go before him right now and see what the Lord wants to do in your life instead. And so therefore, he comes to him, and those are the three things of how Paul then came to them, and that's what he gave them, and that's what they saw, and that's how that church took off. Is, is he, he gave them the gospel, he came with power, he came with the Holy Spirit, and he came with assurance. And that's just basically how, you, as far as witnessing, that's what you've got to do. One, there has to be a mouthpiece, that's us, but then you've got to come with the gospel, you've got to come with power, you've got to have assurance in what you're talking about, and you need to pray ahead of time for the Holy Spirit to come along. And that's what he did, and that's how the church took off, and that's how all these other churches took off, took off as well. And so then he goes on to the, the testimonies of the Thessalonians in verse 6, and he says, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For, for from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. He says, look, this is your testimony. What a God, great testimony to have that, look, I don't even have to say anything because everybody else is saying it for you. This church would have a great testimony. Wouldn't it be awesome if people just come in and say, oh man, I was in from out of town and I had to come to this church because your faith and love came and I just heard about it and I was like, I got to go see this church down in Sarasota. Wouldn't that be wonderful? 
Just that, just that, that would be our testimony. I mean, the testimony we do have is somebody was at Living Word when it was Living Word. I don't know what it is now, Christian Life Center. Christian Life, whatever word, that thing. Christian store. And so somebody was looking for a church, and I think it was Bert, and he's like, yeah, I just, I just, want, I just want a church that just, just teaches the Word, you know? And the guy was like, oh, you just want the Word? Well, then, yeah, go to this church here. And it was us. That was the reputation that we had. Don't go, oh, you want, you know, to bounce off the walls and climb, you know, rocks and stuff like that. We don't have that here because we can't fit it inside this one room. But, I mean, that's not us. That's fine. Who cares? Like I was telling, I was telling you guys, we went to a, a little small church up in um, Alexandria while we were up there on vacation. And uh, it was sweet. It was like 10, 12 people was the church, you know. And so it was awesome. When we walked in, we felt like we, we understood them because they were all like, you know, because the same thing, we used to do it when it was like 10 or 12, you'd have a Wednesday night service and there'd be like five of us and somebody would show up and you'd be like, hello, how are you? You know, you're like, I want to be friendly, you know, but not too friendly, but it's new blood. Hey, how are you doing? You know, it's nice to meet you. So, I mean, it was like that. And so they came and very sweet, very awesome. And, and I want to write them a, 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 an email because it was a sweet fellowship. They, they got up there and they did what they did, you know, and they did it very well. They had a prayer time before they had worship. I mean, it was just, it was very sweet. It was very intimate. And guess what? There was nothing wrong with that. I mean, I was, I was just as blessed to be in that, that message in that church that morning as I would have been had I gone to Fort Lauderdale Calvary, you know, and, and had all the other stuff and wonderful teaching and great band up there and all that stuff. It was the same God, you know, and the same Jesus that was speaking to my heart and the same Holy Spirit that was convicting me through the word that was coming forth from the pastor. I mean, it was just wonderful. And so as, 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 as their witness goes out, as now I've told it to you guys, I mean, that's wonderful for them to say, hey, look, we don't have to have the other stuff. I mean, if the Lord blesses and the Lord grows, then that is wonderful. But be happy where you're at now and do the work that I've called you to do because that's your testimony. Your testimony is either going to be, hey, look, I'm happy with what the Lord has given me or I'm unhappy with what God's given me. I mean, what do we want to have the reputation of? Well, I want to be happy with what the Lord's given me. And the Lord has given us 50, then I want to pour into the 50 that I've got and make sure that they understand the word, that they understand who Jesus is, that they love Jesus, and that they're, they're serving others. That's what I want to have. But if, if I'm unhappy, then I come in here and it's like, you know, you know don't even worry about it. We're not, we just don't worry about communion this morning and we're going to do a song for worship. And, you know, until you people start inviting some people here, we're not, you know, we're going to start cutting back. You're like, what? I mean, you'd be like... Okay, now you're down to like one. You know what I mean? You don't even worry about that. You know what I mean? It just, are you, what, what are you going to have? You know what I mean? It's, are you going to be happy with what you have and serve the Lord Jesus with that? And the same thing then goes back to our households. Well, I want a bigger house. Well, I want two different cars. I want a nicer car. Well, I want this. I want nicer clothes. Okay, well, the Lord's like, look, I just gave you this stuff, and you're not happy with what I gave you? Why don't you just be respectful for that? And then, you know, it's like if I give my son, you know, give him a new game or whatever it is. And he's like, oh, thanks, Dad. But, you know, it'd be nice to have this one and another one. I mean, you know, you know I wanted this one, too. And we're like, dude, give me that thing back. You know, I'm going to take it back. I mean, you don't deserve that one, you little rotten kid. You know? <laughs> Completely not true, by the way, because he is an angel. <laughs> he is an angel that the Lord has blessed me with. And I'm very thankful in that I have him. So, but... But it doesn't happen. But but you guys get it. I mean, so many times we sit there, and, and that then that becomes your testimony. Oh, who's that person? Oh, they're the Christian. 
who is um, never happy with the life that they have, and this God that they serve and they, they say that they follow, they're always, you know, complaining that he hasn't done for them, he doesn't give them this, and, you know, it's not the right relationship they wanted, they wanted a different, I mean, just, you know, it's one of those Christians, good people. But how depressing that is, you know? That that's, that then that, that's what we have now given the image of who Jesus is. So now when people look at him, that he's not even a good Santa Claus, you know? We, so many times we look at God as a Santa Claus, and now he's not even a good Santa Claus. He's below Santa Claus. I mean, be, be happy with it and be, be happy with the witness that you have and be just thankful for those things. And if the Lord gives you more, praise God. You know, that's awesome. But if he doesn't, praise God. Be happy where you're at. Verse 9 and 10, I just wrote on here, it's the gospel. It says, For they themselves declare, talking about the people referring back to this church, Concerning us, that matter of, of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols. Okay? So they turned to God from idols. What are God? What are idols? What are idols? Anybody? Anything outside of God? Give me some examples. Throw them out. Huh? Cars. I have a small dealership. Anybody else? that is feeling something from the Lord, okay? That is a false idol right there, okay? So, famous people, entertainment, who else? One per person. <laughs> what are these people this morning, man? Go sit over there. Money, yes. Money. Food, whoa. Who said food? The three of you over there, so... False idols or anything outside of God. I mean, there could be, it could be alcohol, it could be entertainment, it could be relationships, it could even be work. You know, you could actually have a false God as far as knowledge, that you have to gain more knowledge. And actually, that a lot of times steers you away from the Lord, that you're like, no, i got to continue to gain this knowledge and have a better understanding of everything. God, it kind of pushes you away instead of drawing you towards Him. And so my question then is, is, they got rid of them, so do we have any of those idols in our lives right now? And I'm... From some of them, I guess I have a couple, but um, sports, though, that's wrong. So 1 John 1, 5 through 7 says, 1 John 1, 5 through 7, you can write it down, don't turn there because I'm using my five minutes. It says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and him is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Do you guys get that? So it says, if we, if we walk in light, but if we have that darkness, get back to what I was saying before, where is the light as far as us being a Christian? If we've darkened it out and these idols start taking over, there's our light, say our, this is our light, those idols start taking up spots. And now our light's only this bright. Well, we can't walk with God if we're in darkness, right? That doesn't make sense. The two don't go with each other. I mean, that's why Jesus had to die is because being sinful, being unpure, I was unable to be in the presence of God. And so God said, look, I'm going to set it up different. I don't want you just to cover your sins. I want the, the blood of Jesus to completely wash you clean so that you can be in my presence and we can have communion and we can fellowship. So Paul says, look, the first part of the gospel here was you guys got rid of your false idols. They were gone. The next thing was that you were serving the living God, that being forgiven of your sin causes you to want to give up the rights to your life. So a couple weeks ago, I talked about, a month ago or so, I talked about Galatians 2.20, that it's no longer my life. Galatians 2.20, Jeremy. 
the softest version I've ever heard. We're great. So it's no longer my life who lives, but it's Christ who lives inside of me. I, I've been crucified. It's, now it wasn't just Jesus that was up on the cross, but when I said, yes, Lord, take away my sins, wash me clean, I went on the cross with him and said, Lord, this is it. What do you want from me? I, I'm willing to go and do whatever it is. But then so many times we get in the service field and we don't want to have that yielded obedience, yielded obedience to him. To obey one's commands and render to him the services due. So if I'm going to obey his command and I render the services, what are the services due to Jesus if he died for me? It's, it's my life. It's everything that I have. Okay, listen, I'll even say this. If, if God, and I've said it in the past, even if God didn't promise us salvation, if pro- God didn't promise us heaven, God who created us deserves what from us? Without salvation, he still deserves our obedience. Okay, he created us. So we, we should look at him and go, I wouldn't even be here. I wouldn't have a life. I wouldn't have breath. Lord, here it is. What do you want it to do with my life? Oh, wait, you're going to give me salvation? Then why are we not running to him? It's because we get so caught up in the other things that I was just talking about, wanting to be able to focus on the other stuff in our life instead of saying, Lord, I don't care. I'm good. You know, I know your promise today is that you're going to meet my needs. All right, I'm good. Let's go. What's the next thing that we have? And then we head out to do whatever it is. What service do you have for me today, Lord? Because again, today is the day that the Lord has made. Not tomorrow. He hasn't made that day. What if today is the day that he comes back? What if tomorrow's not there and we've got all these plans? Well, tomorrow I'll do this for you. But no, I'm not, tomorrow's not going to be here, Kevin. Sorry. T- today is it. Today, at, tonight, this evening, after you watch the Duck Dynasties that you've missed the last couple of weeks, that I'm, I'm, we're, 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 we're sounding the trumpet. We're out of here. What are you going to do then? Well, my Lord, I made all these plans. And, and I've got things that I want to do. Well, you, you should have done them. They're, they're, it's, the time is up. Because he's Jesus raised from the dead is the other thing that he talked about, that they believed in. Jesus raised from the dead. Do you guys know that, right? That's Easter, the empty tomb. We got that one down. And then he also says, look, he's going to deliver us from the wrath to come. Not the wrath of today. The wrath of today is promised. Today we're going to go through hard times. It's the wrath to come, the one that we really want to miss. Okay, if somebody persecutes you at work or calls you a bad name or something like that or makes fun of you, take that wrath, okay? That's the good wrath that you're going to take. You don't want to be here at the end times when it talks about it in Revelation 6, you know, chapter 6 through 19 of how the world is really turned upside down. We don't want to be here for that wrath. If you had to choose between somebody calling you a funny name now or really going through wrath, choose it now. But be believers in who Jesus Christ is. So that's the gospel that goes out to them. He says, look, those are the things that come back to us. For they themselves declare concerning us the manner of entry which you had, that you have turned to God from idols. They turn to God from idols. They serve the living and true God. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. I mean, how wonderful of a message that is. But yet, again, going back to my rant before, we get so focused on whether there's a, a rainbow flag that's up on somebody's Facebook page or if somebody talks about this, that they have rights that we do or do not believe with. Okay? Well, where are these things that we're so focused on? Are we, are we walking in victory in Jesus Christ? Are we, are we realizing that today is the day that Christ, He has made? This is it. Let's go get somebody saved for Jesus Christ instead of being worried about whether my rights have been trampled. They're trampled. Okay, get over it. Move on. Go worry about who Jesus is and live for him. Get up on that cross, and if it costs you your life, praise God. What's the worst thing that happens? I'm in heaven because Jesus has already paid the price for me. 
He's already paid the price for you. And if he hasn't paid the price for you and you're in the room this morning and you don't have that relationship with Christ, well, then I pray that you will today. That as you've heard the gospel that has gone out and realize that in Romans 3.10 it says that there is none righteous, no, not one. That nobody in this room deserves anything else than, than what Christ is and what God is going to give. We deserve the wrath that's going to be there at the end of the day. That's what we deserve. Because none of us in this room, even if you help out all the poor and you go to the hospital and you do all these, all those works are nothing. Like I said before, your works don't save you. But it says in Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's each person in this room. I don't care if you're Jonathan, who's younger, or somebody who might be older. I know you, don't want to put, you, you don't want to point the older people out. You're in <laughs> Jonathan and everybody else, okay? If you're within that group, then you know what? You, you, we've all sinned in this room this morning. It's us. And so then, well, God saw that, and he said for Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because like I said before, see, God has realized that we had sin, that he couldn't have any kind of relationship with us. And that, see, that he's perfect and he's holy. But see, us on the outside, if we have sin, well, there's, there can't be communion there. There's, there's a division between the two of us, and it's our sin. And God said, well, I can't do that because, see, at the beginning, it says, in the beginning, God created. Well, God created everything just for us. And he said, I just, I love humanity and I just, I, I want to create this special creature. And, and the angels are kind of looking around like, hey, dude, what are you doing and all? But it, it, he just wanted to create us. And so he did. But then he couldn't have fellowship with us anymore because of the sin. But he said, that's fine because, see, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross for us. But then God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It doesn't matter where you're at today, this morning. It doesn't matter if maybe you've been a Christian your whole life and maybe the last five, ten years, maybe you've drifted off. Maybe you've gone somewhere else and you're like, man, that used to be me, Kevin. You know, and I, I honestly, I've been coming to church here for years and, you know, I've, I've had the faith and I just haven't had that assurance. I haven't been the one that, that really believes it, you know. I mean, I talk the good talk and, you know, I do the fist bump and we'll talk about sports and drink some coffee and stuff like that. But man, that, that just, I've just drifted away. I'm backslidden. Or maybe you're here this morning, you're like, you know what? I, I don't have a relationship with Christ. I've never seen it in a way. I never understood that why I should do this. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And from the heart one believes into righteousness and the mouth confession is made into salvation. So this is right now, if you believe it in your heart and you confess it with your mouth, that you'll be saved. And that's the hope that we have. That's the hope that most of us in this room is, has displayed. And so as I go to prayer right now, I pray that anybody who does not have that relationship with the Lord, whether you've backslidden, maybe you've never ever yielded to the Lord, that you'll make your way up here afterwards and that you'll come forward and you'll talk to me. And we, let's have that conversation. And don't think that anybody's going to look weird at you if you come forward. And don't nobody come forward too if nobody else does because you don't want to think anybody's thinking that you're not saved. Come forward. Talk to me. Let's have that relate, talk. Let's have that conversation about Jesus and what he wants to do in your life. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord. We thank you for, we thank you for reminders of Paul, Lord, and just how 
for us the things that we need to be looking for in our church. God, the elements that, that make a church a church. Father, the Lord, the, the elements that make the gospel the gospel and how to proclaim it, Lord. We thank you for men like Paul, Lord, but not just Paul. Uh, they're on pedestals in our, in our own minds, Lord. But I thank you for the men in this church, Lord, and the women in this church. And I thank you for the men and women in this area that I know that have got strong relationships, that are doing wonderful things for you, Lord. And God, I just pray that you would use this church, that, you, Lord, you would grab our hearts, that you would grab our hands and our feet, Lord, and inspire us to do wonderful things for you, Lord, one person at a time, whether it be our neighbor, Lord, whether it be our coworker, whether it be that family member that, Lord, that we just haven't talked to, Lord, it's uncomfortable to have that conversation. God, inspire us to be something more than what we are today, Lord. Don't let us just settle for anything or make plans for tomorrow, Lord, or make plans for next year when we see them. But God, that we know that tomorrow again is not promised, Lord. It's today. Today is the day of salvation. Lord, I pray for anybody in this room right now, God, that does not have a relationship with you. Lord, anybody in this room right now that has maybe walked away from you, God, that, Father, that you would not allow them to leave the sanctuary without them coming to a knowledge of you. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come upon them, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would go out and convict them, God, and that, Lord, that you would be the one that would do the work, Lord. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for our country. We thank you for soldiers who keep us safe, Lord. I pray for our pastor who is away right now. And God, that you would bless the rest of this day. We ask this in your name. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys.